Greetings, everyone, and before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our Ludicrous Car Review, or more importantly, should I say, the Ludicrous Car of the Month. As I discussed last week with Dodge's big move to switch the, uh, well, the famous muscle car charger over to an electric vehicle, we have a lot to discuss, let's just say, at least last week. This week, we're going to be discussing a little bit of the history of the charger and where it's going to be going in the future. I feel as though this is kind of important, considering charger's kind of taking up the mantle at this point as the challenger, and while I still think it's a... A confusing move, to say the least. It does us good all to kind of sit here and maybe ponder a little bit of the history of the car that's, well, inevitably going to be carrying on Dodge's mantle, and hopefully not going to end it, let's just say. I think the move to switch to V8 to electric is a little bit confusing, but nevertheless, well, here we are. Anyways, though, I feel it's more important, though, that we discuss the more important thing, the history of the Charger. Kind of look back and kind of see where we are today. Now, I could discuss every scrawny inch of the Charger from the beginning of its inception all the way to the end, but we're going to kind of focus on the later Charger, the Charger we all kind of know and love, that basically ended up saving the Dodge brand, the LX Chargers that were introduced in 2005, and of which I own one, by the way. Um, So we're going to kind of breeze through the... uh, initial this conception of the charger and that kind of brush over some of those the um the more infamous parts let's just say while 60s and 70s did produce some rather interesting cars it was uh let's just say a little sad in the 80s and 90s and not that much existed in the 90s let's just say dodge went through a little bit of a rough patch especially with their um charger category anyways let's get on with the uh history lesson shall we so on with the ludicrous car of the month the dodge charger So Don went, Dodge went through a bit of um, an inception, let's just say. They didn't really have a set lineup like, pretty much all the way up to 2005. They took a couple breaks in between there from 1966 to 1978, a couple years break, and then 1981 to 1987, and then quite a few years break, almost what, 13, almost 10 years there. But then the next one was introduced in 2005, the one we kind of recognize today. So to start off with... The first Charger was a show car in 1964. A 1965 concept car was reassembled, and uh, 1966 production finally hit the road. The first generation of Charger were a little bit boxier. One was the B-body, or the first generation. They had a very much a fastback design, a boxier look to them, and they relied on the Cornette that used the Kleiser B platform. The base engine was a 318 and could go all the way up to a 426. However, sales were slow for these in first few cars and that for the first two years. The second generation only came out a few years later, as, well, most older cars at this time, they didn't really take 
10 years to make generations. Usually it was a couple years and then a new one would come out. These are probably the more famous chargers, the 69 and the 70 charger. Well, let's just say 69 and being the more famous one as the General Lee. But they redesigned in 1968 and the initial 35,000 units were slated for production. The demand was high and 96,000 chargers were actually produced. Basically, they almost tripled its production numbers. Based on the Chrysler B platform, and the model has received various cosmetic changes to the exterior and interior throughout the years, mainly in the grill section, which in 1969 and 68 and 69 had the uh, crossbar you all recognize, with the 70s later adopting the more just empty square grill in the middle, removing that bar. It carried all the way up from a 225 cubic inch liter, a slant V6, which actually became available in mid-1969, and it was actually rather successful, and not really successful, I should say, as a stock car racing in NASCAR, but the aerodynamic shape forming the 2005, or the, 2005, the Charger 500 model became the basis of the 1969 Charger Daytona. The one we all recognize, you know, that um, was rather dominant, let's just say, and probably the one that people probably recognize the most, you know, the giant wing, the front end, it became really popular, let's just say. And then we get into the later years, the third generation. This is where things kind of went a bit downhill. The model design definitely changed quite a bit. It kind of went back to more of a weird, like, indented window back design with, I think, a Landover top, I think, in the 73 models in that. And the front ends, while maintaining its more famous look, it kind of looked a little bit lopsided in these editions. They're not my favorite. They're still good. There's no doubt about that. But they're not my favorite generations of all. Anyways, the third generation was introduced in 1971 basically same platform in that um had a ducktail spoiler in one year really there wasn't much really going on with these things the performance model charger was produced in brazil which is a little bit interesting it was actually based on the dart a body so it's actually a little lighter weight if you happen to buy one of these cars out there but nevertheless the increase in sales was primarily due to the elimination of the coronet tudor which meant dodge which really only offered the two-door intermediate-sized car as the Charger. Basically, the Coronet, the dumping of the Coronet, ended up boosting Charger sales. Honestly, I can't help but think of it. Maybe the dumping of the Challenger is going to try to do the same theory. You know, dump the cooler, slighter sports car for the to help boost up the sales of the Charger. Which is why maybe Dodge is dumping the Challenger. Anyways, moving on. The fourth generation. Fourth generation existed from 1975 to 1978. And this is where, well... It died, pretty much. The 1975 Charger continued as a B-body, but let's just say the car had completely 180'd. It looked nothing like its original counterpart, and at the end of the day, the almost old man-looking car, looks like a bit like a Lincoln Town car, ended up kind of killing the Charger. It had a magnum to the segment that kind of tried to do something with it, but at the end of the day, it was a dying breed. And... This is where it had a slight break in between it. A couple of years to kind of, you know, smooth it over from this hideous design. And the fifth generation was reintroduced and returned in 1981 and a half as a front-wheel drive subcompact. And let me tell you, this was probably the saddest years of the Charger. While the previous model, the fifth, fourth generation, was ugly, this was just sad, pure sad. While the Shelby edition was available in 87 for these cars, just overall the car just was lacking power. And considering that they basically... Let's just say this engine primary one was a 2.2 liter turbocharged. Oh boy, we are flying now. The torque was sad, the engine was pathetic, and let's just say the car overall was pretty much based on a... I believe it's a Mitsubishi car or something like that of the same area. I don't remember. Basically, it was based off a foreign car at the time. I think it was a Honda, I don't remember. That um, basically made it rather look kind of sad and almost a little pathetic. And basically, 
1978, sorry, in 1987, I should say, the car died for a lengthy period of time. Nobody had heard another charger since because, well, after this rather sad um, car, let's just say, nobody was really interested in producing another one of these things. That was until almost 20 years later, Dodge reintroduced the Charger in 2005 for the 2006 model year. This was based on the Chrysler LX platform based on the four-door sedan. Although the there was a, con, a concept car in 1999 that also featured four doors, it was otherwise pretty much a totally different vehicle. It was available to start with, with the available SE, SXT, RT, RT Road Track Performance, Police Variant, and the Daytona RT versions with a fancier SRT version later on. For the first time, a V6 engine was available and with all-wheel drive. Yep, that was the big deal back in the day. All-wheel drive was the first available in the RT package. However, in 2009 onwards, all all-wheel driving cars were also available in SE and SXT trims. Now, overall, these cars are actually rather unique. While they were their own design, this is back when they were merged with Mercedes. So, a little bit of fun fact for you. If you were ever desperate for parts and you just can't seem to find one around... Try looking up an old Mercedes four-door sedan from the time. All these cars actually shared a lot in common with these cars, from brake systems to suspension and that. And overall, the lot can be scavenged off a Mercedes car from the similar era. They may look totally different and perform a little bit different, as one is basically a burly muscle car and one's a luxury sedan. But underneath the hood, they're essentially the same, which is kind of where Dodge began to repair some of its performance. In fact, the 5.7 liter, which was the big Hemi at the time for that car, there's like your mid-model trim, was basically what kind of began to revive the uh, reputation of Dodge. Let's just say, especially in the 80s, Dodge began to accumulate a big reputation as being all piles of junk. And at the end of the day, it took a long time to repair that reputation. Even still today, people doubt some of Chrysler's products, and for good reason, there are still some problems. But at the end of the day, Dodge and Chrysler, especially the 5.7, established itself as a huge workhorse of an engine, and the 5.7 became one of the most reliable, if not maybe costlier to maintain engines, available to the people. The basic SAT produced the 2.7 liter V6 engine, and more importantly, these had a, um, like I said, the Charger with the 5.7 V8 Hemi, and as well as that. It also had produced a SRT8, that's the one, with a 6.1 liter Hemi. This is kind of the predecessor to the uh, modern-day Hellcats with the 6.2 and 6.4 liters that we see today. And like the 5.7 actually has very little in common with the modern 5.7s we see today. They're kind of two totally different beasts. And like I said, the 6.1 liter Hemi, which, while beautiful and big and powerful engine, honestly would struggle to even compete with the modern 5.7 liter Hemis that are being made now. But they're still very good vehicles. They, um, while it was still a muscle car from the looks of it, many people began to doubt its abilities because of its, well, the fact it was a four-door sedan and the GPS navigation with the 32-watt audio system, sunroof, rear seat, DVD entertainment system that made it feel a bit more like a luxury car. Let's just say, at the end of the day, while it is not as nimble as any other predecessor out there, it was kind of beginning to establish its own sort of generational gap between people. This model, while introduced people to the idea of a four-door sedan and began to get people warmed up to the idea. Because at the end of the day, no one charger had ever produced a four-door sedan. It wasn't being popular at the time. But the fact that they even began to make it at all really helped people warm up to the idea. And it eventually began to stick. If you couldn't get your Charger or Challenger, I should say, because, of, well, you need to fit your, all your family inside, well, get the Charger. You can still have your 5.2-liter Hellcat engine. But more importantly, you can fit all the kids inside. 
And honestly, even like the Daytona Edition, I own, it kind of keeps that whole advantage of it. I can keep that car as long as I want. Kids can still fit in the back if I need it. Anyways, the car was beginning getting a lot of reputation and actually became pretty popular. But really where it began to kick off were the LD editions or the 2011 to the present. These are where they began to saw, see their domination begin to take place, and even began to dominate even the four-door larger sedan markets out there. Not that it's a big market to begin with, but they dominated nonetheless. Charter received an improved interior and a new exterior styling for 2011. It kind of removed a bit more of the boxier design, it went a bit more free-flowing, and helped kind of adopt some of the older categories. The older Charger, I should say, stylings on the side with the indent in the front doors and that in more of a boxier styling design. Overall, the grill styling had changed quite a bit really as well, and the aerodynamics also really helped being vastly improved. The car actually began to handle pretty dang well. And overall, driver visibility was also improved by 15%, even though, well, let's just say that previous years and even my own car, visibility is a bit of a problem. And while the car didn't raise the roof line or make it really ridiculous looking, they still managed to add that kind of visibility. Anyways, styling cues were basically reminiscent of the old 68 to 70 models, basically the ones that they're all known for. And they also began to produce a lot more powerful engines. The 5.3.5 liter six-cylinder engine had produced over 250 horsepower, a pretty decent amount. The Pentastar 3.6 was also available and producing 292 horsepower. But more importantly, while these engines are basically very interesting in that, the one that really began to dominate the market and would became vastly popular was the SRT8 which was not produced in 2011, not the SRT, sorry, I should say, rather than the SRT, which was basically dying out of the time, they produced it with a more important thing. For 2012 to 2018, they produced the Super B platform, later called the Scat Pack, 15+, plus, was available using features seen in the regular SRT models, basically, but made it a little bit more reminiscent of the muscle cars, and basically this is where they get a lot of their fate their fame pretty much. This 2015 also received a facelift as well, making the car a little bit more... A bit more like a NASCAR car, if you ask me. In fact, if you were to put these cars on the racetrack, I think they'd actually do pretty dang well. The SRT launch features, such as 0-6 timing, long live G-force readings, and a quarter mile and a quarter eighth mile drag tack timers, custom set embroidery, as well as other features. These cars began to really see a lot of changes over these years, and this is really where they began to see them coming to their own. The 2015 Charger received significant exterior updates, as I just mentioned, most notably the new front end and more aerodynamics as well. It was less angle, less square, and also saw some big suspension interior upgrades, which also helped with performance and handling. It also had a much larger touchscreen and with an 8.4 inch in 2017. And except for the Charger Pursuit models through 2020, all models came standard with an 8-speed automatic transmission. In December 2014, the Charger Pursuit appeared, and the V8 RT all-wheel drive model disappeared. The big news, though, came in 2020. The Charger Hellcat comes standard with the wide body. With the, basically, the Hellcat pretty much dominated the SRT packages. It basically took the place of everything else. And to this point, the car pretty much became dominant. The Charger SRT Hellcat Red Eye was also a pretty dang powerful car, producing up a 797 horsepower V8 engine. The 2020 Charger was also available with a rear-wheel drive V6, all-wheel drive V8 models, and basically began to see a lot of changes in that. Beginning in 2001, the roles were basically reversed, with the V8 Pursuit, V6 Pursuit now equipped with an all-wheel drive. But overall, all these are pretty important, as basically... Well, Dodge was coming to the end of its rope, let's just say. 
beginning around this time, a year or two back, people began to hear rumors of Dodge Pass making a big shift, and while they introduced a lot more bigger engines, including in 2020, uh, 2022, the street racing team produced the, the Jailbreak, which was a model of the SR22 Hell, or the, sorry, the 2022 Hellcat SRTY body, which produced an extra 10 horsepower, which totals in at a measly 807 horsepower. Basically, if you're going to pick a four-door sedan that can blow the rims off the car, well, this is probably your choice. They added some spoilers and everything else like that, and the jailbreak started at a, well, not a cheap $85,000. Yeah, these cars aren't cheap in the slightest. But basically, overall, what is all this saying, though? The fact is, is that at this time, though, we all kind of hear the big bad news. Dodge is basically dumping... Well, not necessarily dumping. Rather, they are switching the charger over to something totally new. The newer edition is set to be slated to release in 2024. Basically, we're, we're going to have the uh, last model years and be switching basically into something totally different. These new model years are going to have, at least from the things we're seeing, two doors and a decent sound system out the back, although I cannot say they're the best, that's for sure. And honestly, we're probably going to see even more editions. I think they're announcing a Super B edition, a couple other things as well. But overall, it did see a bad run. The LD chargers and the LX chargers really are what kind of revived Dodge. While Challenger was duking out with Mustang, it was basically the backbone of Dodge. These cars basically revived the brand up until Durango kind of helped and reinforced that backbone. But at the end of the day, Dodge is kind of left with very few options left at this point. They're kind of becoming a traditional car manufacturer rather than the muscle car brand we all seem to know and love today. And the problem is if they and say they're not careful, they might end up losing the carefully cultured group of, well, let's just say muscle car lovers, that the Charger and the Challenger help produce, but mostly the Charger. While we all know the Challengers and their super stock Dodges and everything else like that, Charger kind of flew in under the radar and still always has to this day. And Despite that, though, like I said, it's pretty much been the workhorse. It's dominated the larger four-door luxury market because, let's just say it, what other four-door sedan can you buy that can hit 800, has 807 horsepower, can do donuts around a freaking minivan or any other luxury four-door sedan like your Mercedes out there and that. Overall, while the car is still, let's just say it's lacking in some things. It isn't a sports car. It isn't going to tear up the roads like a Porsche. It's not going to do drags races and tear the cars off a Shelby GT500. But if you're just looking for a badass car and a muscle car that you can own for as long as time permits, honestly, the Charger was always and still remains one of the better categories out there. And while honestly, the Charger will still live on today while the Challenger dies, honestly, I think it's going to be a totally different group of people buying these next generations. It was kind of people like me, people who couldn't afford a slightly impractical Challenger the Charger still offer the practicality of a four-door sedan family car and that, but with the options of being able to, you know, you know, I don't know, maybe outrace anybody who happened to pull up next to you in a stoplight. Mostly anybody. But at the end of the day, I think we're going to see a different group of people buying these Chargers as they are now two-door, and maybe they'll offer a four-door. I haven't seen all the options listed yet. We'll have to see what they come up with. But, um... Yeah, we're going to see a different group of people. Kind of a mix. The people who love Chargers might buy these new Chargers. And people who will miss the Challengers, two-door muscle car, or Mayhem, might possibly buy these new electric Chargers. But that's kind of the big problem, though. 
What basically helped revive Charger and make it what it is today is the engine options available to it. We like the options of being able to 5.7, the 392, the Hellcat engine, the upgraded Hellcat engine. We preferred those options. We loved them. And honestly, being able to lose it all for possibly just one measly little electric platform is going to lose a little bit something on a lot of people. So, overall though, we'll have to see how the Charger goes on. Like I said, there's a lot of things we look forward to and some things we don't. But we'll have to see. Anyways, I suppose that'll do it for the history lesson for today. Well, I hope you all enjoyed today's show. It's not one of my longer Car of the Month systems, but um, I could have covered miles long of the earlier scratchy, but I kind of want to cover the early cars, or the later cars, I should say, of these LX and LD models, because they're kind of the models that ended up saving Dodge, and I think a lot of people forget that. We remember all the Challengers and all those crazy cars, but at the end of the day, if Dodge needed the sales, Charger was there to make them up for them. But anyways, we'll have to see how the future holds for Dodges and their Chargers, and hopefully they'll still remain around 10, 20 years into the future. Anyways, that does it for today's episode. I hope you all have a great day. If you liked this episode, please leave a review and a comment. I would greatly appreciate the feedback. Anyways, have a great day and a wonderful night, people. Goodbye and farewell.